You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Welcome to the fourth episode here of Stardom Road. Uh, I am your host, as always, Scott Edwards, and with me is my good friend Trent, my wonderful co-host. I can't believe we made it to four weeks. It's already, we're flying by in this show. Well, I mean, technically it's eight weeks because we can't be bothered doing this every single week. So, uh, well, that's yeah. That's true because we have lives and there's also wrestling that happens nowadays that we all yes, have to cover. Yes, we can't so. spend time just in the past. I also feel like you are, I'm rising the ranks. I'm now a good friend and a wonderful co-host. So if, hey, if this show gets going, maybe uh, the praise will get even more impressive. So. Maybe you'll just start the show next time. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, maybe maybe that's the uh, ultimate raise up. It's like, yeah, you'll just start the show and I'll just, I'll be mute until we get into the topic. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we're here for another uh, single show review. Uh, of course, our last episode was the Kyrie Mayu Iwatani discussion, which, you know, of course, would lead to historic crossover and Kyrie ultimately winning the IWGP women's title and me having a mental breakdown, um, you know. All the day's work, uh, but it was it was an incredible weekend. Oh, that weekend, you know, by the time you hear this, it would be two weekends already, which mm-hmm. is pretty crazy. But it was a very very special weekend for Stardom. It was a good reminder for those who you know follow Stardom that yes, this is maybe possibly arguably the best promotion in the world today. And for those who have never seen Stardom, it was a kick in the ass to start watching Stardom. As I've talked to with some people, that's yeah. Look, you know, this was a fantastic showing from them. Um, yeah, I, I think like obviously New Japan came approached a little bit differently, but I, I'd be surprised if people walked away from this uh, not thinking Stardom was at the very least on the same level as New Japan in terms yeah. of the in-ring product and the character work and all yeah. of that. Especially that main event. Like, I'm glad we went back and watched the Mayukari stuff beforehand because it's I was expecting better. this match to be better. But I didn't think it was going to be that much better. Like right. it really was like several steps up, and that's you know they they had good matches together beforehand, but this was really the culmination of all of their years' work and Kyrie's experience in WWE, Mayu evolving into the icon, and just yeah, I'm I think it was that much better too for us because we had watched those matches, mm, right? Mm. Like there's yeah. some like that's that's the that's the cheat of the show for us is that. We are going to use this show to get us more amped for current stuff. And it's wonderful. That's what we did. And you could see some callbacks in some ways, just Mm -hmm. very little callbacks. You could also just feel like the same chemistry, obviously turned up to a thousand in many different ways, just from the uh, stakes and the moment and the importance of that show, but also just how much both of them have improved since then whether it's Mayu as an overall competitor or Kyrie in terms of star power, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible what they accomplished. And of course, you know, I, I I talked to uh, Chris Samps, who many uh, new Japan fans know, of course, you know, if you listen to the English comms, you hear his name all the time. And I thought there's, you know, no one better to uh, ask about the new Japan side of things. And uh, he said that, you know, got the job done in terms of you know piquing his interest um you know he, he, his wife who was a big Kyrie fan back in the Kyrie sane days you know sat down and listened or sat down saw that she was wrestling and was in it but she was also shocked that Kyrie was hitting that hard which is very yeah. funny yeah. Um, because it's a different world but uh this was the best Kyrie had looked and you know we're going to talk about a lot about Kyrie um along the stardom road here because shockingly that's 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 my computer i apologize um not so shocking i should say she is a very important part of their history and where we're to go from here mm. um but today she's not here 
She is not on this show. She is nowhere no. to be found. It's almost like probably out on the ocean sailing her boat somewhere. Exactly. But we what we do have today is Mayu Iwatani and many others, as it was Stardom X Stardom 2011, the Nanai Takahashi 15th anniversary, as well as Stardom's official debut at Corican Hall. Uh, mm. They reached the capacity of 1,310 people. So we had a packed house. And this show is very important for a number of reasons besides just being the first show at Cork and Hall, of course. The wonder of stardom and world of stardom champions were officially crowned on this show as well. You know, you might have heard those, those titles. I'm not sure. And there was a high-speed title match that, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to say will go down as one of the true hidden gems of stardom history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is like the perfect show to get a grasp of that early days of stardom because of the three champions walking out of the show. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sets up the, those initial years because yeah. none of these three champions uh, lose their titles for a while. They're no. chunky multi-year reigns pretty much. And so you, you get used to seeing these three in prominent positions, defending the championships and you get like a feel for a lot of that roster coming in because obviously we've got someone who wasn't on the Birth of Nova show but is a regular moving forward with stardom that we see. But pretty much everyone else uh, outside of one or two guest appearances, they are the crew that you saw at Birth of Nova. And mm-hmm. you sort of get to feel for them. You see they've had a couple more months now to get comfortable and in the zone with wrestling, seeing where they're sort of moving forward with that. So uh, it is quite interesting to see this progression one of the yeah. benefits of doing this kind of show is you get to see the gradual progression rather than just going, oh, yeah, they were a rookie and then they became one of the best in the world. Yeah. Um, this is, what, this is you know, a really good show. If You, you can't go comparing it to today's stardom because you're just going to set yourself up for failure there mm. because, again, a lot of these wrestlers are still very new. <laughs> also, rookies, pretty much. Right. Yeah, so, off the roster as a rookie. Yeah, so setting yourself up like that is very uh very ridiculous but going into the show with high hopes is definitely something you should do um because i think this was you know besides crowning champions this was like that first show where it's like oh i see like you know I, you could fully see where they're going and you know mm-hmm. you and me talked about um how that first birth of nova show it's like it gave hints of what we were going to right yeah but this was like the full on, okay, I see the future stars. Mm. I see the current crop. I see why they're going with these people as champions. And I see the difference maker here as well with the high speed title match, which we'll talk about. Um, it, w- it was really a fun show to watch it. I think it was like an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And look, obviously that's cutting out the entrances because this is a samurai TV broadcast uh, yeah. show. Uh, it's right. not the full thing with all the entrances, so that cuts down a little bit, but that gives you an idea of, like, you're getting fairly condensed wrestling. There's only one match which goes over 14 minutes. And over 20. surprisingly enough, it's a high-speed championship yeah. match, which you wouldn't necessarily expect. But uh, it does kind of make sense when you look at the, the structure of this show, uh, why yeah. that match got the longest. But, yeah, it's it's an easy-to-digest show. Like, like Birth of Nova, like, you're getting a comfortable taste of where the crew were at at this point in time where they're looking to move going forward. And yeah, it has a different vibe to even like the 2017, 2018 stardom shows because they are still finding their way a bit. You've got half a roster full of rookies. That's going to be what happens, but yeah, it's still a fun show. We're going to go into more detail about it as to what stood out and all of that, but it's definitely as someone who is getting into stardom wants to find their history. This is definitely one of the shows you've got to watch beyond just the fact that it's crowning your first ever world and first ever Wonder of Stardom Championship and introducing the high-speed championship to stardom. Exactly, yeah. And that high-speed championship... Oh, you know what's funny about this show? And I'll, I'll just talk about it now instead of then. is seeing all the titles be fresh-looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that... um, At least the World and Wonder have had updates since then. Yeah, that and high the high-speed speed had life back then it you know it's it, it's, it's still it's, the same strap zombie. that's the problem <laughs> yes that, that strap is dead uh yeah. you know i understand stardom are making a lot of money and they want to maximize their profits and stuff but can you at least like forget the english commentary 
just give us a fresh high speed strap. Right. Exactly. Oh, high speed strap, please. I would love a new high street belt. High speed, just you know. I I know people love the old look, but like, listen, if you want to just change it all, go ahead. <laughs> just give me a belt that doesn't look like it is about to break at any yeah. second. Like this has reached IWGP Intercontinental Championship levels when Naito is hauling it, uh, tossing it across the ring. Like it, it, it is dead, and if they toss it once, that thing is gone. I just want. Yeah, I think we need Saki Kashima or Fukigen Death to win it because they're the types to throw the belt like that. Azumi's not going to. No, because no. you know she gets the history of it and she cares about the history of it. Mm. And those two are just like, I don't, I don't, I don't want this. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about it here. I mean, you know, it's funny because. I remember like when you and me were talking about like the champions at the time throughout the world, this happened for, for anyone that's wondering right after when uh, CM Punk won the WWE championship at money in the bank and left WWE kind of interesting timing, of course, with current yeah. world stuff. Um, I wanted to bring that up because I, I was I was just looking like oh I remember this date wait why do I remember around this time I was like ah, it's a pretty important right. time in wrestling yeah it sure was um so that was a big story back then of course mm. um I would give you all the other stuff but we we pretty much hit on 2011 mostly <laughs> so yeah that, that's an important to... date in 2011 the whole same punk stuff and that alone like I think it paints a pretty good picture of where it was at at that time yeah I think he won he won the belt exactly a week before the show started and I think he was officially stripped of it the day after yeah the show yeah. happened so or not stripped of it, but they had a fake champion or whatever you, you yeah. get the point yeah, they have to do the Rey Mysterio wins the belt lol Cena wins exactly exactly so that's kind of what happened there um but let's get to this show huh we had Mm. seven matches we had a lot of different things going on um but you know as we do we start at the top here we had ama arisa shiki and mayu iwatani defeating iri susa and saki kashima saki kashima welcome to the series welcome to the show um it's so funny seeing saki because like wow you look exactly the same you just you're mean now <laughs> yeah well i mean she, she looks as she did when she first came back before she yeah. realized uh mayo Itani was not leading her to the promised land well that's it all begins on this show nearly technically it was a six match in stardom yeah well that, yeah that was a fun thing to check she lost a lot <laughs> in her first she year. was in she good company mayu lost a lot as well she did. She did. Yeah. Mayu won this match. Um, her and Arisa grabbed the W here. Um, there is a kick in this match that Arisa I know exactly the one you're I, I actually posted on Twitter. So if you people didn't pay attention, go find it. Arisa misses one of her kicks mm. and then she picks up poor Susa and absolutely drills her in the side of the head with another with a Brazilian kick. And I just sat there like Oh no! Why? Why? I mean, I, were you that mad? You missed, like, it, because it was so funny. She missed, and then she like punched her in the side of the head. The girl went down. They got her back up, and then bam! And I was like, yeah, oh, oh my god. Um, this match, as you can imagine, I very much enjoyed it because of the people involved. But obviously, these rookie matches are always are so entertaining because we know what they went on to do. Mm. And it's like, wow, these because you know, we're watching in current day star, we're watching the likes of Hanan and Rina and Hina and you know, Miyu Amasaki and all these other you know, all these wrestlers. But back then, it was like, you know, they're just wearing shorts and a uh, tank top and they're just going out there and tossing whatever they have and much more violent back then, too. Because you know, there's a point in this match also where Mayu is slapping the piss out of poor Sousa. Sousa got her ass kicked in this match, okay, people? <laughs> that's that's ultimately what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny sort of going back and you sort of say this is uh, more violent than the current sort of the rookie level stuff. It does kind of feel like to an extent that maybe they're making up for not being quite as polished in ring and sort of for sure. the technical side. So we're not going to put on a five-star classic uh, by grappling, but I can make you believe that this person's hurt by just hitting them in the face uh, because they don't pull back on the slaps. And even like compared to a lot of the other strikes and stuff outside of when Arisa beams uh, Eri with that kick, 
you can tell they're you know not going quite as heavy as they should be. Should be not quite as heavy as they could be. Uh, but when they go to slapping, it really is just like yeah, okay, I'm I'm, I'm winding up and I'm not pulling back on these. Yeah, um, yeah that that kick from Arisa. Uh, I'm not sure whether she meant to quite catch Eri the way she did, but <laughs> it felt like yeah, because that she whiffed badly and it was kind of awkward because she's coming from like. I feel like she uh, she was out of Emmy's peripheral vision, so Emmy was pro- was probably expecting it, but wasn't sure what had happened. So she kind of moved ahead as if to sell, but didn't sell it. And then it was almost like, okay, well, we got to make up for this. And yeah, she she <sighs> put that one in a bit more it. snugly. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. And back then, a lot of the stardom rookies, everyone's a rookie pretty much, um, yeah. kicked. That's, mm. that's a like obviously they kicked but you know yoko as we'll talk about she that was pretty much your entire move set then mm. aikawa too in a lot of ways um but i think they all i think the uniqueness of those three especially arisa yoko and aikawa they all kicked differently like yeah well they're coming from different backgrounds so they're learning sure. different types of kicks and styles i should say the way they attack people with kicks though mm. like Yoko's just going for headshots. Like that is that is her thing, right? She's just going for headshots. Aikawa will use her. She's kick a cod gamer. Yeah, <laughs> Aikawa will uh, break them down with her kicks, and then you know, I I tweeted this out. I was like, Arisa's just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. That is yeah. that is her entire creativity, and that's I think why she ended up being as creative and as great as she was down the line mm. is because she wasn't really afraid to try new things like. You know, everyone kind of got gets into their comfort zone, right? And Arisa's just like, all right, let's see what ridiculous thing I can throw at you. And if it hurts you, that's okay. And if it doesn't hurt you, then I'm going to hit it you harder. <laughs> um, let, but, let me find the limit with this kick. She found it with Ari. Yeah, and they had this great finish. Um, so Arisa hits her signature top rope kick, as we all know, the roundhouse kick. Mm. And then um, Mayu finishes. With it, it had to be eerie off. Yeah, yeah, it was with eerie. eerie with a, I, I, you know, you call it crossbody, but it was very high fly flow, like, um, <laughs> with the movement of how she hit it. There was it a little bit of the frog movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't just a regular crossbody. It was like a direct was... drive too. She didn't get a lot of height, mm. but it was just like impact. Yeah, it was a good finish. Mm. It was a really yeah. good finish. Um, I really enjoyed, you know, seeing. I, I love these rookie matches because we get to see mm. these three, including Saki, in this conversation. Um. Because you know we see them now, and they're so they're so confident and comfortable um, in what they ended up doing. And it's like back then they're just so they're, they're just trying to prove themselves. And, yeah, and they're finding their way. And look, this yeah. match is uh, it breaks down a bit in the second half. Of there's course, a, there's quite a few spots where you can tell. Like, oh, hang on, I'm meant to be on this side, and hang on, where are we going next? Actually, Saki Kashima, for someone who hasn't wrestled much, you could see her directing the flow a bit. Yeah, uh, especially when they're in control. So, for I sure. don't know whether that's something she just naturally was gifted in doing. Um, but it was interesting seeing her direct while she was the least. Ex- Experienced person in that ring, but a little sloppy. It's you know by no means a great match, but it's as you said, it's fun going back and seeing where they were. This is the first time AMA teamed up, and yeah. you know getting to see like I love the little crucifix combination they would do where Maya would get into uh, crucifix with Arisa and she'd just spin her into like a kick move. That was yeah. you know fun and creative, and seeing them have like their team gear, which is as you said, kind of half street, but it's still kind of wrestling gear. And yeah, yeah it's it's a fun match to go back and watch, like what we're expecting when we see early Maya, early Arisa, right. early Saki, early Kari as well. When you know we looked at them yeah. last fortnight. Yeah, uh, Saki's gonna get herself an episode or two on this show for sure. Absolutely. She, uh, no one. You, that's the funny thing because you know you and me were talking about it before the show because we have you know episodes to plan in the future. Mm. Um, and after this, it kind of becomes open for us. We can really go to whatever year we want, whatever. But you know, yeah. I feel like we've established everything after this. We show. wanted to get these couple of shows established. Yeah, we want to get those titles into play. Mm. Really, that, like that was very important. And we were talking about how, like, we're going to do episodes from, you know, not the minor characters, but the characters that play a big role in filling out this roster long term. Mm. And, you know, that'll include the likes of Chris Wolf and 
Saki Kashima, as I was saying, because, yeah. you know, Saki Kashima has been doing it longer than anyone, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, she totally was like yeah. Arisa. She came in and then she left and she came back. And, yeah. you know, obviously she's a mainstay for the roster now. But, you know, even if you've only started watching Stardom sort of since the pandemic, you missed her return as babyface, Saki. Mm-hmm. Uh, you only know her as Oedo time. That's a very different Saki in a lot of ways. Very different Saki, but maybe she's doing the best work of her career now. Um, oh, she, you can tell she's so much more comfortable with this character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she took a five-year break, I'm pretty mm. sure, um, which, again, a long time, a long time, but we're happy she's back. Uh, but let's move on to the next match, which is actually the most famous match from this show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> featuring the most, probably the most famous wrestler on this. Uh, yeah, it's a, the timing you know, is perfect. Mm. <laughs> I promise everyone this was not the plan we were just no. doing this show anyways this just happens to be on the show the match was haruka of course the nine-year-old wrestler who we talked about when we talked about birth of nova mm. you know she went against uh tayo haruka went one-on-one with kenny omega and I, I hear he comes to to become a decent wrestler as well yeah so he goes I, on to do some things you know i i think he made it I think he made it. Like, I, you know, we're looking at all these wrestlers and like the greatest of all times on the show. And my mm. Tani, you know, she mm. went on to make it. This Kenny Omega fella, he, you know, he he tried to follow in the footsteps of my Tani, and we, you know, I appreciate that. Of course, you know, the timing is perfect because of obvious reasons of you know him coming back and AEW and him going to Wrestle Kingdom next year and mm. fighting Will Ospreay and everyone's so excited. But none of that was to happen unless he wrestled the nine-year-old Haruka. Who, These three minutes were pivotal to his career. Th- they were. They're like one of the biggest things ever talked about in his career. Now, don't get me wrong. For better or worse. He shut a lot of people up very quickly with, you know, 40-minute mm. classics with Kazuchika Okada and then some. But, you know, this happened. And uh, I, I just rem- I, like because I didn't look at the car before I just turned it on. Cause I wasn't thinking. And then I was like, Oh crap, this is it. <laughs> I was like, this is it. God, why? And Kenny is a, v- he's a very good prick. I'll say that <laughs> <laughs> he was, he in a match that lasted three minutes. It doesn't matter at all into the history of stardom. He did his job very well. Mm. And, you know, I don't. These matches are so weird to talk about because, like, obviously they don't matter. And it was like, what a weird idea. Yeah. But seeing that Kenny did have to play like this heel, but he was also kind of just a jerk, it was just so weird because, like, we know Kenny by now. We know what kind of guy he is. And it's mm. like, he must have just was like, all right, let's get creative with this. Let's. Well, let's I mean, do- this is him at his peak anime villain. Yes. Era. You know, we yeah, saw that with the cleaner in Bullet Club where he's, you know, very over the top and expensive, even like he's still run with AEW. But this is kind of like where he can just be most over the top because how else can you be uh, a despicable villain unless you're fighting a nine-year-old girl? Like, there's no way you can play that off as, oh, I'm doing yeah. Because the reality behind the scenes here is he's done this match because Haruka was the only trainee on this sort of that original stardom group who wasn't going to be able to have a match. And it was like, well, we still want to give her a show because of course, like she just because she's nine year old doesn't mean you should kick her out. And this was the avenue. You know, Kenny came in and said, I'll do something with her, you know, give her a chance to shine. And I mean, regardless of your thoughts on the setup of this kind of match, they like in terms of man wrestling nine year old girl, this is phenomenally well done. Yeah, they entertained. Um, he's come in and protected her despite doing some dangerous looking stuff, but they all look super safe. Um, But yeah, this is him basically showing that he can do this kind of thing. Same with wrestling Yoshihiko in DDT. Like it takes a certain level of skill and creativity to pull something like this off. There's something to be said. And this is, you know, this isn't a Kenny Omega podcast. This is a stardom history podcast. This is the career of Kenny Omega in stardom right here. Yeah, so I can talk about him however I want, but there's something to be said about him going to DDT before everything else and Mm. how that allowed him to open up as a wrestler, and I think that is really kind of how I'm now looking at Kyrie going to WWE and coming back because doing something different isn't a bad thing 
if mm. you're able to take from it, right? And, you know, people look at DDT how they want, but one, they were able to always put on great matches. That is Kenny yeah. Omega's staple for years, but they're able to learn all parts of the trade, and I think that's mm. why we see Kyrie in such a bigger light nowadays too, right? Oh, it's for like, sure. you know, yes, she went to WWE, but that you have to you have to understand what you've done there and yeah. bring it back yeah. to feel like the star she is. So I, I, I kind of had that weird look at both of them in that way. It's like, all right, well, yeah, he went to new Japan, went to AEW, was pretty successful, but without going to DDT, maybe he's not as complete as, you know, if he just spent his whole time in ring of honor or something like that. Cause it's very yeah, DDT opens up so many avenues because you have to be a, like, Obviously, it's not pure comedy over there, but to succeed in DDT, you have to be able to be creative mm-hmm. and do things against the grain. You have to be a great wrestler. Like, you know, all, for all the comedy stuff that DDT do, when the main event hits, you've got oh, two yeah. great wrestlers in that spot. Exactly. They're not going to chuck the pheromones wrestling for the, the world championship over there. You've got to be one of the best wrestlers. And Kenny Omega was able to get to that point while still being able to do the stuff that has defined his character, for better or worse for some people. But, like, Kenny Omega, what makes him him is that creativity and that stuff that goes against the grain for a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people that love Kenny Omega love the Elite now. I don't Mm. think... I feel pretty confident saying a lot of them have not seen his pre- New Japan career, maybe even his pre- stuff with Kota Ibushi, I think. Right, yeah, that, with Kota Ibushi, that's that a different because animal. of the story. But like, right. you know, a lot of people would struggle to maybe name matches outside of that. Right, they'll watch the Kota Ibushi classic they had. They'll mm. watch probably the one where he teamed with uh, Kota against Takeshita and Endo. That's a very famous mm. one as well. But outside of that, it's like, all right, is that it? And I, th- I think it's important, you know, maybe they've seen PWG or whatever, but seeing Kenny's yeah. full career and how he's gotten to, you know, being the biggest freaking star and wrestling in a lot of ways, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy how his path has went, but we're, we're that's enough. We're not talking about Kenny Omega anymore. Uh, we're moving on. It's a great three minute match, but you've, it's, yeah, if you're not going to enjoy, like if the, the mere thought of this match kind of puts you off, it's not going to change your mind necessarily. Yeah, but if you also like Jim Cornette, then you can stop listening. All right. Anyway, um, and I mean that. If you like Jim Cornette, anyway. Bye. World of Storm title tournament semifinal match. We had Yoko Biro defeating Mika Nagano. This was the worst match on the show. Yeah, which <laughs> is a, a shame, but like it's not very I don't disconnected. Say it's not surprising, but like you, you look, they're both rookies. Mika Nagano doesn't re- didn't wrestle a lot. She didn't have the experience uh, Yoko did, despite starting earlier. Technically, um, it, it just didn't gel. Unfortunately. Ew. Um, no. It was a very MMA-influenced match. Um, and that's not a bad thing necessarily, but it just, yeah, they they had an idea of what this match should be. And in theory, it should work, but they just didn't click to the same degree that you would hope for. Um, and without that maybe more experienced person to carry the match that was struggling, it just, they couldn't find a rhythm, they couldn't find a groove. I could also not find the groove watching this. I was like, all right, I need this to end. Uh, the only good part was the end when, like I said, Yoko Vito was going for just headshots and the headshot pretty much knocked Nagano out and it was over. So, yeah, it was a weird, there was a weird spot in the middle where they kind of went for, uh, Yoko Vito was meant to miss a kick and then uh, Mika was meant to go for like a flying guillotine. Yeah. And they went for it twice. And both times, like, you could just tell the setup wasn't quite right. Now, they didn't know what to do to recover from that. Eventually, they do the flying guillotine the third time, and I think we see what was meant to happen. Joko powers them up in a deadlift kind of front face look, face lock suplex, which looked sure. cool, but when you can tell they've gone for it three times, yeah, you could tell they'd planned that spot, and they're like, well, we have to hit this spot, even if it's messy and awkward it's a learning experience they're both rookies these things are going to happen it's just a shame it happened in such an important match for both of them yeah yeah it is what it is mm. um yeah don't <laughs> they don't have to lose sleep over it um sure they did it but i do think it's interesting um i did want to talk about this and we'll talk about it later is that you know how important yoko was going to be for stardom right you know she mm. she main evented the first show she went on to main event this show and 
contend for the World of Stardom title, the vacant World of Stardom title. Titles. Wins the tag titles, you know. She did win the. She did go on to win the Wonder, but yeah. it makes you wonder what happens if she didn't retire. Right? She would have probably had her time in the Sun as World of Stardom champion. Yeah. Um, you know, it's unfortunate she didn't, but she still did get a lot done. And what is a relatively short career, all things considered? Yeah, it's easy to forget, like, because her career was split up like Arisa and like Saki Kashima. And yeah, when she came back, it was just it was a different roster and a different world. And by then, you're contending with she was the, different. The freedom. Yeah, and she was, she was different, different as well. Um, I, I think she did the best uh, with her career, all things considering. Um, yeah. But ultimately, yeah, when if she was going to make the most technically of what could have been, it right. would have been sticking around because yeah. it was clear they were building future wise around um, Aikawa, and Yoko Bito is definitely going to be that number two. Um, and yeah, she's being positioned in these main event matches early, which yeah. shows that they saw the potential in her quickly. You know, they they saw the potential in Arisa and Mayu, but like that was they were long term projects. And in Arisa's case, you're waiting for her to get old enough to really put her in that position. We say that with Arisa, yet she did have a Wonder Star title match, which we will talk about down mm. the line, of course. Um, but. Yeah, Yoko. Um, Yoko is going to always be one of those that I like bringing up, and I'm sure I'll force our way into having a show about her because oh, I, I think she's someone we do need to cover because she's a she's a classic name from these two block periods, which are important periods in stardom. But she's not the biggest name in either. You know, when you right. come back to this era, you're thinking the Takahashi and Akawa. When you when she comes back, you're talking about the freedom and yeah. stuff. So she's an important one to bring up because she's just kind of that tier below. Yeah, she's almost she, like you'd say the Momo Watanabe right now. Very important to the show. Very talented. But you're not gonna. It's not the first name you're gonna think of when you're talking about 2022 stardom. Exactly. I think that's a perfect comparison. Very similar styles as well. Mm, both um, like to kill people with head kicks. And we appreciate them for that. <laughs> uh, the next match was the World of Stardom title tournament semifinal match. Nai Takahashi defeating the reigning Ring of Honor Women's World Champion in real life. Yeah. Uh, woman, uh, Mercedes Martinez. Um, I kind of wanted to get a laugh about that. So at by this time, I don't know if you know people know how long Mercedes has been wrestling. So this was 2011, of course. She had already been wrestling for a decade. So she's already yeah. a seasoned vet. Um, I thought it was cool to see her in here. You know, they brought mm. over someone from, and you, you want to talk about, you know, forgotten periods in wrestling for women's wrestling. You want to talk about 2011 in yeah. America. It's even worse than Joshi, uh, Joshi. You know, that's the, that's key. That's key time divas era, right? The women's not getting nearly mm. the appreciation that they should in America. So seeing her here is very cool. You know, yeah. I, I'm not the biggest fan of her work nowadays, but you know, she's, She's 12 years older than she was back then. It's like she's in the 40s. Right. And, you know, she's had a very storied career. So getting to see her here was very cool. I thought she really did bring it to Nanai, all things considered. Because when you're wrestling Nanai, you have to, right? Mm -hmm. If you want Nanai to respect you, you have to bring it. And that's what she did. Um, I thought, and (laughs) this this was funny for me because I was like, you know, I kind of forgot how, like, tall mercedes martinez was because like nanai kind of in in the first two shows we watched she kind of just feels like this giant almost Mm. in some ways and when she's going against mercedes like oh all right uh you know someone she's joshi tall not tall tall right and i thought this match was pretty good all things considered you know not the best match on the show Mm. worst match on the show it was right there in the middle but it was a good tournament match you know seeing the nye is going to wrestle again later in the night um and mercedes did have some shine which was very cool to see yeah in the middle of this match i was sort of watching go this is a solid three and a half star match not that i'm someone who you know rating scales and all that that's kind of where i was great point yeah it's like it's not a a barn burner it's not one you're going to put in a match of the year candidate necessarily but it's like if you're looking at the average this is a good match this is a nice solid match they pair off well with each other um the impression i got through this tournament was they didn't want Nanai to be a dominating force and putting someone like mercedes martinez in there it's someone who's bigger who's uh, stronger who has the experience to go up against an Anai takahashi and allowed her to play a slightly underdog fighting from underneath role 
And, I mean, that was exemplified when Mercedes powerbombed her on the outside and started whacking her with a steel chair. Straight away there, it's kind of, oh, okay, well, you know, Mercedes is in control here. And when you compare it to some of the early stardom stuff we have watched, Nanaya's the one in control. She's the veteran. Mm -hmm. She knows what she's doing, forcing the others to come up to her level. But this was straight veteran versus veteran action. And, yeah, this is a really solid match. Um, I think it made both of them look good. Uh, Didn't go overboard, again, because... Nanai Takahashi did have to wrestle again not that long after this match. Uh, but this is a very enjoyable match. I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Yeah, the, it's kind of the it's kind of what you expect from Mercedes Martinez if you've watched her over the years, like in mm. the May Young Classic, for example. You expect her to have solid, you know, better than most matches i think that's yeah. my best way to explain it. you know she's she's a solid player to put in there and i liked her being in this tournament liked her being the one that challenged and i here it's uh, good to see her now in 2022 getting the respect that she deserved years ago because sure. she, yeah she was one of those uh, sort of the independent uh women's wrestlers in america very difficult to get shine back then and get attention Right. Um, and now, like, uh, there's you saw people are watching and seeing her in WWE, seeing her in Ring of Honor, AEW, kind of go, ah, yeah, she is good. And when you realize how long she's been wrestling, it's yeah, it's good to see her getting her just desserts. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, but let's get to history now. History, as in <laughs> the wonder of stardom champion, was officially crowned as Yuzuki Aikawa defeated Yoshiko to become the very first wonder of stardom champion i couldn't have had a more perfect heel versus babyface dynamic for a match because we you know we talked about it the birth of nova show how yoshiko got it before she <laughs> ever started like yeah. she stepped in there and she knew her role she knew what she was and boy do i miss this version of yoshiko like you know and i miss her wrestling to begin with because she doesn't Mm. wrestle really much anymore i know injuries have really hurt her over the past couple of years but man she was such a great talent she was the perfect person for akawa this you know mega baby face to play off of because she's gonna bring it she's gonna be that you know kind of dastardly powerhouse heel Mm. who you're gonna have to, you know, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to uh, cut them down in a lot of ways, right? You have to cut them down like a tree. You're gonna need to knock her down, and that's what they did. That's what that's what Aikawa did throughout this match. Like her entire, and I said this, her entire offense was pretty much kicks to break down Yoshiko, and yeah. it worked. It really worked. Um, I really enjoyed this match in terms of like the old, old, old stardom that we've watched. Um, this is the second best match because I didn't see the watch. Yeah, you know, I said this earlier. It's probably the best. And then you remind me we watched Kyrie, and then I watched the high speed title match, and I was like, oh, no, never mind. Um, <laughs> but I did really enjoy the dynamic between these two. You know, it's not like a instant classic or anything, mm. but it's it's very good for what they were establishing, which was that wonder stardom title. Yeah, this to me breaks down the essence of wrestling in a lot of ways. You've got mm-hmm. a very clear-cut baby face versus a very clear-cut heel. You know the story they're going to tell, the big overpowering heel dominating. And, you know, the, I, I guess the only thing short they did was they didn't have a maybe resorting to cheap shots and breaking the rules. But that, like, if you had that there, it would be quintessential wrestling 101. Uh, but they didn't need to because, like, no, 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 uh, Yoshiko is that overpowering force. You look at instantly look at her and, like, she stands out against the rest of the roster because straight away, like, just the gimmick in the look and the way she carries herself, even though Nanaya's got a bit of size to her as well, like, completely different, you know, images that they're uh, putting forth. Um, Yoshiko was so valuable in these early sort of stages of stardom for that kind of thing. You couldn't have put a better person up against Aikawa to make her look good and get the crowd rallying behind her. Um, this was fantastic. I read your comment before I got a chance to watch this match. Um, so I was coming in with lofty expectations, uh, which can be dangerous, but, look, it lived up to it. I I actually think I prefer this to the high-speed match. Um, mm. I thought, like, they set out what they wanted to do. They did it. They did it efficiently. Um, it wasn't as flashy. The moves weren't as uh, over, not over the top, but they weren't as uh, awe-inspiring as a high speed. But I thought the, the just the crux of the storytelling was uh, just 
yeah. peerless in a lot of ways. So yeah. perfect establishing moment for Aikawa as the new Wonder of Stardom champion and setting forth what this championship means. You know, when you, you need someone like Aikawa to represent the heart of this belt. And we see it now in 2022, what they were setting out for. Yeah, I mean, the this and the high-speed matches are the ones go check out if you you mm. know if you're on a time crunch go check these two out they're not long i mean total they probably add up to maybe 30 minutes 35 minutes yeah but the one they're both different too so and mm. that, that's the beauty of what stardom was but like you said this this did set up the notion of where this belt was going to go and what it means to this company all these yeah. years later right um I mean, this was the beginning of Aikawa's 618-day reign, and the only reason it ended is because she said, yeah, I'm going to retire now. Mm. Like, that's the only reason it ended. My back and neck is sore. Shock horror. Yeah, I'm in pain. Yeah. You know, I'm in pain carrying this company, um, which, you know, what a what a what an absolute boss that she was. Um, and I think it's just, it's a credit to both of them, right? in what is i don't have it off the top of my head but it was what is still very early in their careers obviously first few months of their career yeah. putting on this match exactly and you know they they had to be ready and they were mm. and mm. they were and you know we we know what that title means now it is the, for a lot of people it is the title of stardom in yeah. some ways it is the title that kind of is the essence of stardom and what stardom stands for for a lot of fans and Without this match, we don't get that. So creditable. Yeah, this is the foundation of it. And this is why it's good to go back and watch these matches because you compare it to the red belt and that's very different match types because, yeah, it's technique versus emotion. Um, and it's not a secondary belt, despite the fact most people coming in, that's how you look at it. And, yeah, it's generally lower on the card, but they're 1A and 1B. And this is an example of it because they put it on their future ace. They put it on the person that they wanted to be the face of the company. Yeah, I mean, this title has only been held 16 different times with some people having multiple reigns. Yeah. That's insanity. Like, that's mm -hmm. how prestigious this belt is. Um, there's only a couple of people on that list where you go, eh, yeah, yeah, probably didn't well, need to the, hold it. Well, the world of stardom title is 14. So, like, mm. it's, it, you know, these, these if you're going to hold them, that you're, it means something, right? Yeah. And like you said, there are people on these lists that's like, well, that wasn't the best decision. But you have so many people on these lists that were the right decision. And mm. we're seeing that especially nowadays, I think. you know, It's the like, exception that proves the rule with those right. one or two. Right. Like, looking at the Wonder Belt now, we've had – we've had – oh, my God. I was, trying to, I was trying to go back and stop at someone, and then I was like, oh, well, you know – Maybe maybe I'm not going to play this game because I could I could be here the whole time and you know mm. we're trying to move on. But all right, I'll do it. So you've went from just for fun. So after the Santana Garrett reign, which you know that's the bad one that we're all admitting, it went Kyrie Hojo, <laughs> Mayu Yutani, Yoko Bito, Io Shirai, Momo Watanabe, Arisa Shiki, Julia Tam Nakano, and we're still sitting here with Saya Kamatani as our Wonder Storm champion. That yeah. is a run unlike any other. The world mm. title can't say that. The world, mm. I know for a fact the world title can't say that. Um, and the world title gets held a little longer nowadays, so that also is part of the reason. But uh, this is a special belt, and uh, bravo to them for getting that going. But let's get to another special belt, very mm -hmm. key to Stardom's history. And as I like to say, the the reason they are so different from every other company in the world today, and that is the Neo High Speed title, of course, the High Speed Championship as we know it now. Um, we had Natsuki Tayo defeating Leon to win the gold, well, silver. Um, but this is very important because you know Natsuki Tayo is one the reason this division exists mm -hmm. to this day. She is. Like if you were to do a Mount Rushmore of high speed wrestlers, guess what number she is, everybody? She's you know, she's she's getting her face in the in the mountain first. And yeah. then it's everyone else, right? Uh, you know, we've heard Azami talk about her many times and how you know that's kind of who she wants to design her career after. Mm. And you watch this match and it's kind of crazy, like you said, that this is the longest match on the show. They went twenty one minutes, yeah, kind of almost like an epic type high speed title mm. match, which you know 
I don't think we've seen Azumi do that as much. She maybe with Mesa yeah. Ruga, Starlight Kid, they did that, but mm. you know, she does she really embraces what the high speed title was made for. Yeah. Um, but like Starlight Kid had this type of reign. Well, you had the draw with uh Natsupoy, and I mean right, you had the draw with the high Natsupoy. speed championship going 30 minutes. Um yeah. you know, whether whether it was for the best or not. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's that's very rare. And so yeah. when you see this high speed match going 20 minutes, you get kind of get the impression okay, it's going to be that more in that line of match because they don't go 110% speed from the get-go to the very end. There are more submissions, more rest holes sort of building in. The, the high speed tends to come more in spurts in this match, um, which is necessary because you even Natsuki Taiyo can't go 20 minutes pure high speed. Yeah, the uniqueness Die. of this title, of course, is that this was created long before stardom existed. So, mm. you know, they kind of just took it for themselves in a lot of ways and it's it's led to what has been you know very very special i think you know it you want to talk ups and downs this title has had ups and downs for sure um but you know they're on a it's current, a lower card belt that's going to happen right they're on a current mm. role where you know azumi natsupoy starlight kid and azumi have had it and it's like mm. that really has got it back into kind of where you want to see the belt and yeah. As we said with Akawa, it kind of all started here, you know, with the Tayo winning it. I mean, this, you know, Tayo held, I think, four times. Yeah, this top. is her third reign. And this, this is, is her... the, the long reign that she has. This oh, is it one sure is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, her and if you haven't seen Leon, Leon's, of course, still active. She mm. still wrestles uh, mostly in Pure J nowadays, but she is active. So, you know. And Tayo, you know, is doing whatever she feels like in seedling, um, as the <laughs> as the crazy ref who has herself a joy of a time. Um, she competes once in a while in like actual sanctioned matches, but they're mm. nothing. She still flies though. I'll do. I'll give you that. She still flies. She's still incredibly fast. But this was very good, very good championship match. This is like as I was saying to you, this is like that hidden gem type, which the high speed. Specifically, Natsuki Tayo had a lot of. She had a lot of hidden gems, I think, in the mm. history of stardom, right? Because, you know, we talk about Threedom and we talk about Nanai and Aikawa, but Tayo is just as important, especially in those early days, as those other two. And it's because of this rain and what yeah. they were able to do. And, you know, the, this was the match of vets, right? Mm, this mm, was the match mm. of two vets going out there, doing their thing delivering and there was a crazy crazy top rope release german that i literally jumped out of my chair for i was like i i literally watched utami get her neck bent in half when she wrestled shuri the other day and that's still like one of the worst things i've seen from the top rope because i was like oh dear god but this was this was crazy because leon lets her go and then sits back up and it's like you nonchalant jerk. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the spider suplex. So like you'll see people do it. Like even Togi Makabe pulls it off. But what really threw me was the fact that she threw uh Natsuki. Yes. So often this move is like they throw they sort of do the German and it's held on and they land oh, yeah. close to the turnbuckle. This one she throws a halfway across the ring. Um <laughs> and it really is just kind of like a you go now. Um, that was like the crazy spot, but there was a few, it's high speed match with two veterans. You're going to get crazy spots, but that was like the, that was the biggest, like, oh, moment outside of a Risa beaming, uh, area in the opening match. But like, if you haven't seen much Natsuki Tai, you watch this match and instantly you see the DNA of Azumi. Like from the oh, movements, yeah. from the moves, the way she carries herself, you can see Azumi in this Natsuki tire. So even if you're not, you know, from super familiar with Stardom back then, uh, watch this match, and it's it's fun just to see. Oh, this is Azumi like ten years before she becomes what she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, she is the reason. Without Tayo, Azumi isn't Azumi in a lot of yeah. ways, right? And, yeah. It's special to look at it that way, especially if you're an Azumi fan. You know, you see Tayo and you're like, oh, this is someone I can instantly grab onto and become mm-hmm. a fan of because that's Azumi to a T, like you said. Like, that is that is her style. She is so good at the high speed for a reason. Um, and as we'll see, you know, throughout this reign, which lasts 
longest of the three title reigns, I believe. Not a lot of defenses, but no, 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 mm. but it's still long. So we yeah, I'm I'm gonna respect 679 days. Um, I think she had let me four see. defenses. She, yes, four defenses, and yeah. then she finally lost it to the one and only Kari Oniyama. But before winning it back. <laughs> yes, so like there's a lot of there's a lot of entertainment, and you know, the clues a 30-minute draw between these those two. So mm. again, it wasn't it, you know, people complain about the uh Poi Starlight Kid ones, like, oh, this isn't high speed. Well, guess what? They were doing it long before you even knew what uh high speed was, people. So that's the fun of this. Great match. Um, really good placement on the card, too, between the two uh, you know, big title matches because you just got those two vets to kind of steady the ship, which Starm didn't have a lot of vets, so it's like yeah. it, it's interesting to look at it that way. It was important to give them that sort of time to recover and sort of get themselves set up, and yeah, yeah a couple of good strong hands to keep the crowd excited without necessarily blowing them up before the big uh, moment of the red belt yeah. match. Yeah, and it like with the wonder, big shock that was very story based, story driven. Mm. This was high intensity, high impact, great time, and yeah. that's. Why we love Storm. They just switch. They flip the dime. Uh, all right. World of Storm title match here. Tournament final. You know, we just saw a tournament final for a title. Um, that was a lot better than this match. Um, the Nai Takahashi defeated Yoko Bito to be, become the first World of Stardom champion, a.k.a. Nanai Takahashi needed a title, so let's give her a I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, the World of Stardom title, very, you very... You're just kidding, but... I am just kidding. Very historic championship. This is the championship nowadays mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Uh, uh, they both are, and for very different reasons. But, you know, this title has been at the forefront of why stardom has become what they are right now i think yeah. right because you went from the mai reign to the well, you know very historic very important tommy reign mm. now to the shuri reign and soon to be to the julia reign yes exactly like they, they you want to talk about going from bang bang like they are they're killing it right now and it's we're gonna have three straight year-long reigns in a row yeah, Recently. and this is a title that people associate with stardom, and part of that is because, like, most people were introduced to stardom through the draw between Utami and Shuri, but, like, whenever you hear, like, the big names that stardom have produced, like Yurio Shirai's and Kyrie, uh, like, they, you know, when you look back at what they've had, you're looking at their red belt matches, you know? yep. so it's understandable, obviously, even though it is 1A and 1B, this belt is still kind of held up as quote-unquote, the championship for Stardom, and with good reason. Helps to have the world part in it. You know, when you, you know, the world, the world title, you know, that's a thing yeah. in wrestling that's very important. Yeah. Um, when you explain the Wonder title to people, they're still very confused, I've learned. They're like, mm, there's not a lot of Wonder the, WWE. They love, they love to ask, is it like the Intercontinental? I'm like, no, it's not. Mm. At all, actually. Like, it means so much more than just, like, a mid-card title. And, yeah. uh, but that's another conversation for another day. You know, someday we'll just go through the history of titles for fun. The history of why these titles matter. But let's talk about it here. Um, how'd you like the match? You know, with Yoko getting the big shot, of course, but this time having Nanai there to lead her. I thought it was Yeah, look, this this was a structurally good match. it was a lot better. Uh, yeah, structurally it's a lot better. Uh, just the way it's executed. It is hurt a little bit because it's coming off the two match of the nights in the yes. white belt and the high speed championship. I do think it kind of shows Sounds like that, the nice career. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a solid third match of the night in terms of quality. Yeah, um, but like it told the story it needed to, and I think Yoko. What I liked was like her whole story through this tournament was basically fighting from underneath and just trying to land those big shots. If she can kick you in the head enough times and cleanly enough, she's got a chance to win. And obviously Nanai has the power and the veteran strength advantage here. But, you know, Yoko was landing some of these kicks and there's once or twice where she changes the momentum with a single shot. And, like, obviously we knew the result coming into this, but you could buy that maybe they were going for the shock. Um you're probably difficult to convince yourself, but they do it well enough that you can suspend your disbelief and buy into the story they were telling. It was a solid match. Mm. It was a solid match. It it does get hurt by, as we said, the two matches prior to it going. And mm. you know, it we don't we don't see situations like that as much anymore. 
yeah. either. Um, if anything, it's just one match before, but it usually doesn't get hurt because they just they're able to deliver. Um, and mm. you know, again, we're asking Yoko to do a lot. Not only did she wrestle twice in one night at at her experience range, but you know, fight for a world title in a main event at Cork and Hall. That's a lot of yeah. that's a lot of pressure. And I thought she did good living up to it for sure. Mm. All mm. things considered. Um, and you know, then I walks away with the win, which could have told you i'm sure back then when the tournament started who was winning but well, i mean her name was literally on the the title so yeah certain expectations there but you know it wouldn't we can joke about that but like stardom needed someone like an needed her, for sure yeah because you already had one championship on a rookie up-and-comer so you want that veteran presence on the other championship to give you that stability and yeah. give you that kind of guarantee of you know what they're going to deliver you don't have to worry as much so if they put the title on Yoko Bito, it would have been too early. Like it would have been too much undue pressure. Um, that's why you have people like Nanai Takahashi in yeah. those opening years. You build them up, you get them ready, but you give someone that solid strength because when eventually she can lose the championship, and admittedly she didn't drop it to <laughs> a stardom up and comer necessarily, but you, you know, know she, she, she you want someone this. like that position. She dropped it to someone who could drop it to someone else. That is yeah. What she did. Yeah. It did feel a little bit of a that doesn't work for me, brother, potentially. Like, oh, why yeah. Nanai couldn't drop it to EO? Um, look, I don't know the politics that were happening back then. Hey, given Nanai's reputation, there probably were politics involved. Um, but <laughs> got alpha female a couple matches a decade later so yeah well that's the thing like i'm not sure our female gets these uh iwgp tournament matches and swa championship matches if they couldn't say the second ever iwg uh second ever world of stardom champion yeah i gotta Wouldn't say have that, quite the same ring. you look at that world of stardom title and its history it's so crazy because like they have so many amazing bright spots like mm. absolute legends in joshi and then you look at this like there are three people that you're like, well, I don't know about that, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. I'm not going to point them all out, but <laughs> you can figure I it mean, out. we've already pointed at least one out. Well, yeah. Well, heavily implied the second. Half the problem with the first one is that it was, like we said, it was just to get the belt to someone else, which, yeah, you know, it yeah. hurts the rain. The other two, they, it wasn't like that, though. No. You know, one of the rains happened in. An unfortunate manner, of course. Um, but alas, we move on. That that is Stardom X Stardom, folks. Mm. That is the show. Um, it is not on Stardom World. So if you've listened this far and you want to check it out, um, well, I'll try to get the link or some sort of link into the description so you could check that out if you'd like yeah. to. At least those two matches. I think they're really worth going out of your way to see. If you if you need like some four star matches to check out, there you go. There's your fun. Uh, Wondrous Hardem High Speed Championship match. You can also buy this on DVD on CD Japan. I did find um, you can because I found the cover for this, like for that DVD, and it's kind of cute because you've got all the Stardom regulars and they're all wearing like uh, headbands for some reason. Um, unfortunately, the cover's the too small headband? for me to pardon the Tayo headband, the Natsuki Tayo headband that she wears Might all the be, time. Yeah, um, but it's kind of funny just seeing them all there happy and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, Stardom X Stardom 2011. Uh, if you if you want to be a collector, because you know these these shows are hard to find, and yeah, you know, if you want physical media, so you don't have to worry about it ever getting lost, that's one way to do it. Yeah, and worth just worth pointing out, of course, you know this wasn't an I Takahashi 15th anniversary show, so imagine imagine her not winning the world title on her. Yeah, exactly. That's a her 15th anniversary, and she's still wrestling in Stardom in 2022. Yeah, and I think she's been really good in Stardom in 2022, truthfully. So, yeah, well, her... as of recording, she's had the best tag uh, tag leg match, in my opinion. But my he versus my he Yeah, okay. Hmm. I was like, what else would it have been? No, <laughs> <laughs> so I did like the FWC one too. Um, yeah, I thought that was really good as well. They're, they're seven ups killing it. People hate that, but it's true. They're killing it's a good it. drink. It is. It is a good drink. Um, but that is it. Uh, next mm. next episode is a mystery episode. I know I said... To you, you know, and us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me and Trent realized today, we're like, wait a minute. We don't have the next episode planned. We have two more the rest of this year. Mm. Um, you know, we've tossed some ideas back and forth. 
We'll come together. We'll figure it out. We'll make we have ideas. Work. It's just what do we want to do? What makes because, sense? Yeah, yeah, as we talked about, like we wanted to get the championships and these first couple of big shows established on our podcast. We wanted to set the scene. But the whole idea was after we got to this point, the world does open up a bit more for us and mm. like what we want to cover, what we want to talk about. Yeah. We have a lot of ideas, but now we don't have the comfort of, well, this is the next logical step. So yeah. we're going to go away. We're going to talk about it, what we want to cover, what we want to bring to you guys. So you can't do your advanced research just yet, but you can come along with the ride nonetheless. Yeah. Trent's not going to let me jump to a Reese's Wonder of Stardom title reign yet. So got to earn it. I got to, I got to earn it. I got to get, get through like, you know 20 episodes first and then i could probably yeah. get it but until then uh we'll figure it out and we'll come back we'll make sure it delivers it's gonna be a good topic though we you know the, all the topics we were tossing back and forth we i was mm. starting to feel we were getting it but you know we wanted to record and i wasn't gonna stop the recording to think of an idea that it'll be it'll be ready when we uh finally release it so thank you for listening trent where can they find you what do you have coming up you know we're heading into December, of course, it is mm. Stardom Dream Queendom time almost. You know, yeah. you got to have something cooking. Yeah, well, I mean, look, obviously, I'll be reviewing the Tag League final when that comes out. I'll be previewing uh, Dream Queendom coming to the end of the year. So, of course, there's going to be lots of co- uh, coverage of you know, year-end stuff for Stardom. I always like to do a year-end review for them. Um, I also do want to dive deep into a couple of uh, stardom histories. So stuff we've talked about doing in podcast form as well, but I would like to do a what if on the stardom big four heading into 2020 and sort of just branch into what could have been and what plans might have been laid out there. Whether that comes to fruition, whether that comes to fruition around the time this releases, who knows? Um, But around this time will also be the next episode of the Ocean Cyclone show, which features us two and, of course, the best part of the trio, Ryan Dilbert. We had a really fun episode with that one, Um, an auction draft. Uh, (laughs) Surprisingly not as painful as maybe we are expecting, um, but that was probably one of the most fun I've had recording podcasts. So be sure to check that out. If you like us two, you'll like us two with Ryan. (laughs) And if you don't like us two... Listen to it anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you've gone through an hour of just us talking, uh, that'll be a bit easy to enjoy. But you can find me on Twitter at One Up Culture. I realized I didn't actually say that. So, as much as someone might want to go check out what I mentioned, you might not have known how to. But now you do One Up Culture. Yeah, I'm not going to still around. I'm not going to sit here and assume that uh, you follow me yet because, you know, the other shows I can assume that by now. But this one I can't. This is episode four, you know, here, here on the uh, count out podcast network so follow me at scott e wrestling on twitter you know if that still exists by the time this comes out you know you can never be too sure um if you want to find me and it's not a brown that is my same handle for all the other social medias i have no idea what hive is so i haven't made that not gonna act like i know what hive is uh maybe hive's already dead by the time this comes out as well um but yeah i got i got some stuff coming out i mean if you haven't read it read the yuzuki akawa interview you know because that was my peak. It's over now. It's all downhill from here, people. Um, I wish I was kidding. Um, yeah, that's. I don't have anything coming up outside of the ordinary, so I'm not going to like sit here and lie. Um, hmm. Pause. <laughs> yeah, it's just year end stuff, you know. Yeah, that, that's the thing. We're getting around to like you're hearing this at the at end of November, start of December. I don't know when this officially comes out. Um, it's I don't next, pay attention it's to a, dates. I think it's a next week, so it'll yeah. be end of November. Yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're coming to that time of year where you're looking to the year that has been and looking forward to the year that will be. So you can expect both of us are going to be doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's too bad Stardom has to have their show on the final day, pretty much. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, oh, it's, I can't it do difficult. anything until that happens. Like I'm, I'm, I'm literally doing like year end like match of the year stuff for like wrestling at the moment. People are getting polls ready, and it's like, how can I tell you like a match of the year when Dream Queendom has like two matches already booked that could end up being match of the year? Exactly. Like, thank you, New Japan, for doing all your biggest matches at the start of the year, so yeah. you can be like a week in. Cool. There's my men's match of the year already sorted, more or less. Yeah, it's. Well, that's the funny thing. Like last year, excuse me, um, nothing, nothing got like 
the match of the year from Star of Dream Kingdom, but it got the show of the year for me easily. Mm. So it's like, and like Julia and Konami, like that would have been my like that probably would have been in my top ten if I had it. I think I did put it together beforehand. Yeah, and I was like, you know what, I'll move out if it's like one thing or another, and I don't know. It's just. It's hard. It's hard. But you know what? I appreciate it. I like them just being like, you know, we're going to close this out with a bang. We're going to have the last big show of the year. And that's yeah, they always treated the Kurokan year end climax as a big deal. And now they've got Rio Goku to do it out, which is fantastic. It's just, you know, makes it difficult. Again, it's again, it's great if you want to go over to Japan, watch Dream Queendom, watch Wrestle Kingdom. They're close enough together. But when you're doing year end lists, gee, it's difficult because you know, yeah, it's just us being Sam Tire for. Sam Tyre. Tam Sire for me was uh would have been in contention for like a top five of the year for yeah. me. Um, I, I should have said nothing beat Utami and Shuri no, last year no. for me from that yeah. show. Not so. even Utami Shuri could beat Utami No, Utami not Shuri. even Utami Shuri could. So uh that's funny. But yeah, that that's what to look forward to. Um yep. we don't like we said, we don't know what we're gonna do yet. Uh we could we have some fun year end stardom ideas, of course. That's mm. what the show's all about. We'll figure that out. Um but until next time, I'm Scott. He's Trent. This was Stardom Road on the Count Out Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. See ya. This has been a Count Out Podcast. Hi, guys. This is Lauren. This is Michael. And this is your Dose of Death Podcast. If you're genuinely curious about the world of deathmatch wrestling, look no further as me and Mike have you covered on all things in the world of deathmatch wrestling, whether it's interviews, show reviews, or everything in between. We have you covered on all things deathmatch wrestling, whether it's past, present, or future. And you're probably wondering where you can go support us. You can find Your Dose of Death podcast on all major podcast platforms, especially along with the Countout Network of Podcasts. And also, you can support us on the Count Out Patreon as we have exclusive content only on the Patreon for all of our listeners. We hope that you go listen to Your Dose of Death podcast very soon. And see you at the shows.